Hey everybody, it's afternoon of snack time where we give you a short tasty tidbit to snack on. And today's topic is endings we wish we could rewrite. Just a reminder before we get going today though, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please give us a review to let us know what you liked. And it helps little baby podcasts like us grow and get a wider audience. And while you're at it, don't forget to follow us at Afternoon of Delight Podcast on Instagram, where you'll get all the reviews for episodes that don't make it onto the pod, plus behind the scenes and generally shameless fangirling. We would like to let you know that spoilers do abound because we are going to be talking about endings of K-dramas. So the three dramas where we will spoil the endings for you are The King, Eternal Monarch, Coffee Prince, and Fight for My Way. Hey, everybody. So good evening. Hello there. Megan, you always say good evening, but people could be listening in the morning, you know. Oh, yeah, I guess. All right. Well, good morning. Good 3 a.m. Now I feel like it's like the Truman Show. Like I was just going to say that. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I don't think I've ever seen the Truman Show. What? But I still cannot get over last episode when Leah said she doesn't like Ethan Hawke. And I'm just, it bothered me all night. Oh, my God. Really? (laughs) I love Ethan Hawke, and I want you to watch Gattaca. Have you ever seen Gattaca? I love Gattaca. Yeah, I saw Gattaca. What? And you weren't like, oh my god, this is amazing? <laughs> no, I saw oh. Gattaca. Oh man, I freaking love Gattaca. <laughs> I loved it. It's even I got do Jude like Law. Oh yeah, yeah, Jude Law's really good in it. I mean, it, it. was well, good. it was fine. I was never a big. I, maybe I should. Say, I'm actually not a huge Jude Law fan. I think he's like great. I or I think he's a great actor, but I don't know. I just wasn't like super into him. But I loved Gattaca, and that's when like Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke hooked up so it's like you know hollywood history there and did you know that that's their daughter in stranger things by the way yes what which oh yes 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 i'm sorry scoop troop scoop troop robin yeah Yeah, i loved i love her so much well stranger things is just fantastic so it is all right well this is off topic but i just needed to i just needed to talk about ethan hawk so now we're at it does anyone have yeah Yeah. (laughs) we're not gonna get into nicholas cage tonight though I hope. We are going to get into, though, dramas that we loved, but that we wish we could change the ending. Yeah. So who wants to talk through their situation first? Because I feel like these are all, like, very individual to us, like, you know, things that rubbed us the wrong way with endings. Right. I can go first. Okay. Go for it. So, because I hope, I mean, I have to explain a couple things about this drama obviously so it makes sense but it's not a super complicated one so i'm going to talk about fight for my way which i first want to say that i really loved like i have a little bit of an issue with part of the ending but i didn't dislike it i i I really love the drama so the main leads are played by park seo jun and kim ji wan so park seo jun is ko dongman and kim ji wan is choi era and they are, they grew up best friends. Like they are, and when the drama starts, they're adults, obviously. And I like this drama too, because it's kind of like late 20s midlife crisis in a way. It's like, you know, the characters all had like big dreams, but then they're like 29 and they haven't really achieved what they wanted to achieve. And I thought that that was realistic and kind of a neat part of life to talk about. But anyway, so the main leads have fantastic chemistry. Like I'm talking some of the best chemistry that I have seen in a drama. They know each other very, very well and are complete best friends. They stick up for each other. They're fantastic. So it's very much best friends to lovers arc. So to explain what I didn't like was there is basically it's the black moment of the romance is what I didn't like. So I'll explain what happened a little bit 
to get there. So Dogman is, he's a judo champ. They make it very clear. He has this like flying spin kick and he's like famous for it. And when he was in high school, he faced off with this nemesis and he threw the match in order to get money for his sister's surgery because his sister is disabled. And that kind of sets him on a trajectory where he kind of gets kicked out of the sport and then he's just kind of like wandering aimlessly, has odd jobs, that kind of thing. And so it's clear that the arc is setting up for him to once again face this nemesis in the future. Okay, it's very like Rocky-ish. Okay, you know what I'm saying? You know that's going to come where he's going to have to fight this guy again. And Joy A-Ra, as his best friend, she went to all his judo matches and cheered him on as a kid. She's kind of a bloodthirsty person herself. Like, she has no qualms about violence. She sticks up for him all the time. She's fantastic. Like, I, I really, I really loved her. And so as the drama goes on, he decides to take up UFC. And obviously UFC is a little bit, you know, it's mixed martial arts. So it's bloodier than judo when he was in high school when they're like all in pads and everything. And Choi A-Ra, so she wants to be an announcer. Like what she really wants, I think, is to be like on the news. And so she supports him at the beginning, although she's worried because she doesn't like watching him get hit. And they keep saying that, that she doesn't like to watch him get hit. And I'm like, okay, but you watched his judo stuff. And he got hit in judo. I know he had pads on, but he still got hit. And she would like cheer him on. And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, beat him up, you know whatever so they make a big deal about how she doesn't want to watch him get beat up which i understand so the one time he fights mixed martial arts he gets this is towards the end but he gets kicked or punched in the head and he ends up getting like a minor skull fracture like a hairline fracture and of course she's like freaked out because at this point they're together like they have moved on to lovers and she tells him you know, you have a skull fracture. If you get hit again, you could possibly lose sight. Like you could go blind. So she gives him an ultimatum and I really hate ultimatums. So she gives him an ultimatum and she says, if you fight again, I will break up with you. And she makes it clear, I'll break up with you because I can't stand to see you get hit. And okay, like, I guess I can kind of see that too. But of course he then, he chooses to fight and he knows he's giving her up and he loves her, but he can't stand to like not do what he wants to do. He can't stand to like not do what he loves. And he also has to beat his nemesis, you know? I mean, it's like, he's got to do it. And I guess what bothered me the most is that she was still friends with him. Like she's still like, so they were broken up, but they still lived across the hallway from each other. Okay. And she saw him all the time and she would like drop by, she would give him food. And so she was still his friend. So I'm kind of like, I don't understand. She still clearly loved him and cared about him. She she loved him since they were kids. And this is the kicker is that she was an announcer for UFC. So she has to be at the match. She literally announces his match, his like ultimate match. So she's there and she has to watch it anyway. And I'm like, then why did you break up with him if you A, are around him all the time anyway, and B... You have to be at the match and watch him fight. You're literally there. It just was so weird to me. And it was just felt like a really stupid breakup. So I would have completely changed the ending. Like, yes, he won. Great. Good for him. Spoiler. But of course he won. I mean, just, you know, it's a drama. But anyway, my whole point was that I hated the ending where she broke up with him for literally no reason, even though she was by his side anyway, and literally watched him fight from like the announcer's booth. Just felt really stupid and contrived. So, and then did they get back together? Oh, yeah. And then he proposes to her. So he fights. He fights and he wins. And it's great. It's great. Like, you're really happy. And he looks amazing shirtless. Like, thank you, whoever cast Park Seo Joon 
as a guy who needs to take a shirt off repeatedly in this drama. But so then she like gets in the ring with him and announce she's the one who announces the winner. She's there. I'm like, what? You know what I mean? And so she announces him as winner and, you know, everyone's like cheering. And of course, it's like this big dramatic public thing. And he turns to her and then he proposes to her. And she's like, yes. But he does say at that point, he's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to fight again or I'm not going to fight in this capacity. I just had to beat my nemesis. He's like, I'm going to like teach fighting and maybe do some occasional like exhibition fights, but I'm not going to like fight fight anymore. And will you marry me? And like, okay, but again why what was the point you know what i mean it's just, it's just i kind of like, like it <laughs> <laughs> i'm into it i don't know don't get me wrong I, you know what's funny i have a similar storyline in one of my books because i have a rancher who is a, a rodeo champion and he is warned because he's had too many concussions that if he competes again and gets knocked off the horse again that he could get permanent brain damage and so that is a definitely a conflict going on there but it doesn't happen that like she breaks up with him and then is there anyway. Like that does not happen. Right. There being, I, and I guess I would have understood too, if she's like, I'm going to break up with you and like, that's it. Like our relationship's completely over, but it wasn't, she kept like following him around as like, and she was like, why are you? And, and, he, and he actually says to her, he's like, look, you broke up with me. So we're not even friends now, unless you're going to be with me. You can't just like be my friend. Like we can't go back to that. And she's like, huh? And it's like, well, you you dumped him. Like he's like, a, you, you literally dumped him. And then again, she says, I can't watch you being hit. And then she's just sitting ringside. Well, yeah, that, watching that's him being a, hit. That's yeah, a that's fair. <laughs> but like, so I didn't necessarily mind the fact that she wanted to break up with him because she was trying to like keep him safe. Like, because it was a very big deal. Because when he gets that hairline fracture, it's actually a really scary moment because at one point he's talking to her after the fight. He thinks he's okay. And he's talking to her and then all of a sudden he just goes blind and he like loses his shit. He's like, I can't see. And he he like, you know, totally freaks him out. When she gives him the ultimatum, she's like, do you want to like you will be in that dark world forever if you get hit again in that spot. And so I'm not going to stand by and watch you do that to yourself. And again, totally agree. I think that was a fair conflict. But then the show still had her hanging around. You know what I mean? And I guess I hated the idea that she was an announcer and had to be at his fight anyway. Do you know what I mean? Because if that's like her job or whatever, I think yeah. the following, I think it should have been, like you said, like a cold, like, you know, like she breaks it off and then it's broken off. And then maybe the conflict is like, because then there could be good conflict of like, this is her worst nightmare, but she's also the announcer for the fight and she has to be there. And there could be like good tension. I think what sounds weird is that she's like, let's break up, but I want to like chill all the time and be your buddy. And I'm going to be there as the, you know, like there's too yeah. many, like, she's like bringing him food and he's like, stop bringing me food. But again, Again, I will say it didn't ruin the drama for me in any way. I just kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. It still is a super fantastic drama. And even what I said doesn't necessarily spoil it. Like there's actually a bunch of other like twists and stuff in there. You can still watch the drama with full enjoyment based yeah, on what I said. I feel like but that too. Because again, you kind of know from the very beginning, okay, they're setting this up where he's eventually going to have to fight his nemesis. I mean, anyone that kind of has a familiarity with story arcs knows where that's going to go. It's just that the black moment is just more like gray. Yeah. Him proposing in the ring after the fight, like that's kind of, you know, I mean, like there's a nice like poeticness. So I can see them wanting to have her there. But I think where I'm agreeing that it went wrong was the pacing, turning it too much into a gray moment rather than this yeah. like black like breakup yeah because that's what i thought it was gonna be because it felt like it was going black that's where it felt and then all of a sudden she's like hanging out and i'm like what, what are you doing you toy era you broke with him and <laughs> i can't believe you broke up with him because look at him i mean park seo june in this drama is 
holy moly hot it's just you got and it's really cute too because at one point so the first time he has to fight they're like okay well you gotta take your shirt off and he's like and he like covers himself and he's like but there's there's a lot of women here and they're like you're fighting shirtless in the octagon take off your shirt and it's just like so cute because what i like about it is that he's a fighter in the ring but in real life he's actually just like a goofball who actually doesn't super stick up for himself and she's the one who always sticks up for him and in a way that he never feels emasculated because he just isn't toxic like he's fantastic so i do really love it and i just had to get out my issue with the black moment well i can jump in with my next which is coffee prince which is one of my very top dramas i love coffee prince so much but the last episode just fell flat on really two key points that I felt like were completely unforced errors. So just to set it up really quickly, the drama follows the life of Un Chan, who's played by Yoon Un Hai, and she's the breadwinner for her family. Her father's passed away, and she's a tomboy who works multiple part-time jobs to make ends meet, including food delivery via motorbike, which is how she ends up meeting the hero. And because of her androgynous features and short hair and baggy clothing she's often mistaken for being a boy but that's not something that really bothers her because you know she's mostly just focused on the fact that she's got her mom and sister to feed and keep clothes on their back so then on the other hand we have han cool who is gong yu and he is the heir to this big food company empire <laughs> and he is also this irresponsible troublemaker who has been living in the U.S. for some time. And Amy helped me out with this. He basically was like making some type of Lego brick. <laughs> he was working for like a Lego. Yeah. Making Legos. Yeah. Some, something like, like that. Like a Lego yeah. brick designer. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get to be that? He is now back in South Korea and his family is like cracking down on him. And they're basically like, look, it is time that you settle down and get married. And this is where there's like the thing that made me think I wasn't going to like Coffee Prince, which is after bumping into Unchan, after Unchan had delivered food to him, he hires her to be his gay lover because he thinks that she is a boy. And so he hires her to pose to be gay and show up at arranged dates and kind of like blow the date. And this is where like at the beginning, I was like, I'm not sure. And I think Amy was in the same place because we watched this together. We were both like, I'm yep. not sure if this is going to really work for us. Like we liked Gong Yu a lot, but you know, were like, this is kind of a garbage fire like promise. <laughs> and then it just takes this like hard turn into a really delightful story where essentially Gong Yu's character, which is Han Kyul, He's given a dilapidated coffee shop to rehabilitate and he decides to hire male baristas, handsome male baristas, name it the coffee prince, and it becomes this like slice of life drama. But in it, Unchan gets this job as one of the princes, is really androgynous, and everyone thinks she's a boy and she's not trying to like be nefarious. She just like wants this job and she has a lot of fun working there. And eventually she and Gong Yu's character develop burning hot feelings for each other. And it becomes just a really amazing story of kind of love outside of heteronormativity and like what does gender really matter and they could have gone further with it but for you know 2007 South Korea it was 
quite progressive, sexy, and lots of pining, and not so much gay panic. I mean, they touch on that a bit, but it's mostly just kind of this like process of love being loved. So to make it a little more complicated, Gong Yu has a cousin who is in this like off again, on again relationship with an artist named Yu Zhu, who is Gong Yu's first love. Like, I don't think they ever, it was ever like a requited love, but he's just always loved this woman. And so we watched their relationship kind of play out as the secondary romance. And they're probably like six years older. And it's a little bit more of, you know, these people coming together and finally like reconciling their on again, off again, kind of tumultuous relationship to end up with each other. So that's kind of like where we're at at the end is the secondary couple has like gotten married and they've decided to like kind of try to be conventional to some degree, you know, when like one's a music engineer and one's an artist. And I felt like, especially for the female Yuju, you know, she kind of fought this idea of kind of like being quote unquote, like this normal family and kind of like, you know, like settling down into like this like middle class or I mean, they're wealthy, like upper middle class, but like conventional life. And at one point, we see this like kind of strange thing where she gets pregnant and that's exciting and they kind of celebrate but then one night she like paints really late at night and she's with her artist friends and you know he's kind of like look you're not you can't really be doing that anymore and she's slightly resistant to it like this is my life this is like who I am this is my identity but then she also kind of like backs down a little bit and decides to reconcile by making him dinner making kimchi as kind of like a married woman and so it's like a little bit of a compromise of like her trying to like show that she can have some domesticity too so we hit the last episode and in the last episode she ends up having a miscarriage and this really hit me wrong not because I feel like every relationship has to end up with like a happy baby at the end but I felt like in this case it really felt like there was like this punishment happening for her for being this like ambitious and independent woman like it really hit me in that kind Mm -hmm. of a vibe where I Mm -hmm. felt like Mm -hmm. you know no blame and shame intended for any miscarriage like I've had a miscarriage you know and I understand but like I felt like in this case it was almost like the fact that we had been like oh she'd stayed up really late painting and like being with her artist friends like I was like this just hits me weird and and it just felt like an unnecessary kind of like F you. And then the fact that like there's a time jump and we find out that they like basically like never can conceive again for the rest of like, you know, like in the time jump of like a couple of years, like they've just had to accept that like they can never conceive again. Oh, and no. just hit me in like a weird spot of like, there's just no reason why. Like I felt like there was this couple that had been like, push, pull, push, pull. And they finally kind of come together in this very realistically messy way and are ready to like be domestic, settle down, like have a baby together. And then they're like, just kidding. You don't get to have that baby. And it just felt like, and I get like, that's real life, but for like the purpose of the drama and their arcs, it just felt like there was like no real good reason for it, except for this like punitive thing that like she had like fought it too hard and now like doesn't get to have the baby. I don't know. It just felt it does. Hard. It feels I, that sound. It sounds like, yeah, she was like punished, which is just it was like bad. A, yeah, yeah, it really was a super weird way to treat infertility, in my opinion. Like that's 
Yeah, and it never went like super on the nose with it, but it was enough that like I was enraged. <laughs> and then one last yeah. thing is that we have Unchan who, you know, eventually like, you know, it's revealed she's a girl, they get together, but she's very prideful and she wants to have like her own way. And so I'm not going to get into like all the dynamics at what happens, but she ends up going to Italy like to study coffee making and to become like a baller barista. And so they have to make this big relationship like compromise because he doesn't want her to go and he eventually has to be like look i will support you and let you go off and like do this and wait for you and so then we get to the last episode and he's excited because she's going to be coming back soon and then she calls him and is like actually i have a chance to do this other thing so i'm gonna be not back for another year and he's like wait what (laughs) and she's like yeah yeah like don't you want me to get to have this like great opportunity and be gone for another year and he was kind of like like okay like you know sucks it up basically and it's like a sweet boyfriend and is like i guess like i can wait for you and then she just shows up and is like just kidding here i am i played this trick on you and i'm back i would literally break up with someone for that i would break up with f is that like i wanted to have this like ending that felt good and like the one couple that was like having a really hard time getting becoming domestic ends up having like their domestic happiness and then he kind of finally has this arc where he's like look, you go, I'm going to support you, you do you, and I'm here waiting for you to come back. And then like, I felt like instead of me just being happy that she comes back from this journey, and they're together, she's like, actually, you need to wait for me another year. And he's all like, super upset about it. And then she's just like, haha, here I am. And I was like, what? The-? Like, my emotional beats were not being met in that last right. episode. Like, I was <laughs> just like, she- surprised him without doing that yeah like she like could have just showed up and been like surprised him home. but instead she's like i'm gonna be gone and it was like this like mind fuckery too of like i'm gonna be gone another year don't you support me and it hit me in this like also you know i was trying to decide like is there something personal in this for me because i had a very long distance relationship with my now husband when we were first getting together he was doing a phd program and he was working in the subantarctic a lot spoiler my husband got his phd studying penguins you know he'd be gone for like six to eight months at a time and i would have to like go live my life and i remember one time like you know like you really count down the days when it's like a long distance relationship and i remember like we were down to like a month maybe and he called and was like look i've got this opportunity to go do some field work in golf island which is an island off of south africa so basically i would go straight from this to that and so that would like be resetting my clock for like another six to eight months and i was supportive of it like i did like the whole thing that like going use character had to do which was like i felt horrible i felt like sick about it and then i was like but if i'm gonna like be a supportive like loving partner and like you know we're young and like we're trying to like do our stuff like i'm gonna be supportive and in the end for various reasons he didn't end up going but if he just showed up like just kidding like here i am i just wanted to see what you're gonna say i probably would have broken up with him too i'm like you're an asshole actually so it just like yeah i really wanted to like be just filled with love at the end because i felt like we'd gone through such an emotional journey with both the main couples and in that last episode those two things really so all i would have said is just don't do it it would have been easy to be like just have the baby and just have her show up and surprise him without the mind fuck that's it very easy fix (laughs) like a very easy fix for both and for a caliber of like how much i love this drama i think i just held it to i've always held it to a higher standard because it was so good it really was 
We were both, when we got to the last episode, we were like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) Why is there this dead baby and why is she playing these stupid mind games? I hate it when they just kind of like choke at the end. So now you're forewarned that it's a shitty last episode, but still like a happy ending, but like a fantastic drama all the way through. I will watch it again. I'll watch it again. Yeah, it's probably the drama I think of the most. It's the clips I rewatch, the scenes from the most, and I just don't know where to put it in like my very top because the ending still pisses me off, but the love story of it is just like, it's the best romance that I've had yet in K-drama. Okay, well, we will wrap this up with my rewrite of the ending of The King, Eternal Monarch. And just like the two of you, I will preface this by saying, I love this drama. This is one of my top dramas. It's the reason I fell in love with Lee Min Ho and will watch anything that he's in. And I have rewatched scenes from this drama many times before and will rewatch the whole thing sometime when I have time to do that. And wanting to rewrite the ending in no way ruins the drama for me. There's just one kind of tiny little thing that made me want a different ending. And if they didn't tease it out earlier in the drama, I never would have thought of it, but they did. So here we go. So just to keep in mind, spoiling the ending, and I'm going to rewrite it for you. And what you have to have in mind with the King Eternal Monarch is that we've got parallel universes. We've got the Kingdom of Korea with a C, which is where Lee Min Ho is the king, Lee Gong. And then we have the Republic of Korea with a K, our Korea that we know of, where Kim go Un plays Tae-ol, who is a homicide detective. So here we go. One hour and eight minutes into episode 11 of The King Eternal Monarch is my favorite scene, maybe, ever in a drama. I've watched it over and over again countless times, including this afternoon to prepare for this snack. So Lee Gon, the king, played by my bae, Lee Min Ho, is galloping through the streets of Korea with a C. Atop Maximus, his horse, and his mounted security detail are in hot pursuit with him. They are on their way to save a drugged, kidnapped, battered Tae-ol, who, even though she's a bit loopy from being drugged, has still managed to outsmart her kidnappers and escape. She's on her last legs, having almost been killed by a white truck of death. When helicopters appear above and Ligon and his horseback army gallop through the streets. Protect her. She is the future queen, he yells to all his men. And then he draws his sword and starts slashing everyone in his way until he makes it to Teol. It is epic and badass and sexy and romantic. The music playing is goblin-esque, which, hello, this is a Kim Eun-suk drama, so of course it is. And it sets us up for an epic as hell ending with Tae-ol, a homicide detective from Korea with a K, being queen of Korea with a C. And then that never happens. So look, I liked the ending of King, like I said before. I liked it a lot. But the reason I gave it four stars instead of the epic five was because of what we seemed to have been promised with this foreshadowing. And then we didn't get it. What we get is Tae-ol and Lee Gon meeting up for short getaways every weekend. They travel through time and through worlds, and it's adorable and it's sweet. We see them walking hand in hand on one of their adventures at the end, and at one point their hands age to show that they live a long life together this way. And I love it. It's super sweet and happy. But, <laughs> okay, look, I know like she has a life in her own world in Korea with a K, and he has a life in his, but they set it up so well for her to be able to be his queen and a kick-ass one at that, while still maintaining her life in her world. How, you ask? Her name is Luna. Luna is Tae-ul's doppelganger, who we thought was a villain in the beginning, but really wasn't. When Luna was pretending to be Tae-ul, she fell for Tae-ul's life. 
She never would have harmed Tae-ul's father because for the first time, she had a family, which was all she ever really wanted. Luna could have gone on living as Tae-ul, allowing the real Tae-ul to rule as queen of Korea, but also being able to pass through the gates back to her Korea to visit her father, who would hopefully be none the wiser. I get that it's not ideal for Tae-ul to leave her life for Lee Gon's, but I truly believe she could have had the best of both worlds. And the drama led us to believe this would happen with that epic episode 11. I love that they still got a happily ever after of sorts, but like, doesn't Lee Gon need an heir? <laughs> he can't just make a baby with Taeol and produce this magical baby from another universe to his kingdom and say it's his, can he? Anyway, I love the drama. I only docked it one star for an ending that was good, but should have and could have been epic. Those are my thoughts on the King Eternal Monarch. I love, love, love this drama. It is, I think, the best role that Lee Ho has had so far of all the things I've seen him in and I've loved him in almost everything that I've seen of him. I keep bringing up personal taste, but this was the first drama that I saw him in. And this is the drama that sold me on wanting to see every single thing that he's in. And I'm still on that journey. And I know you both saw this drama too. So I know you have thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree because I loved the ending. I truly did, but I didn't like that. It felt like they were setting me up for one ending and then did a 180 in a way that didn't feel like a twist but felt more like a cop-out yes um, that's what it was it was a cop-out it was like yeah. everybody gets what they want yeah but yeah yeah and there was even some things at the end where i was still like oh i don't know if i really like that no so, i don't know i mean it gets really hard when you have a parallel universe and we're gonna do a deep dive on king so i'm sure we'll get into this more then but i i agree again it didn't feel like a twist it felt like a cop-out I felt like in this case, and like no offense to Kim Un-sik and her writer team, but this felt like an idea that got like ambitious and then like lost its way towards the end in a big way for me. And I felt like they thought the idea of these like montages of dates through life and like moving around, like they were like, oh, that would be a fun concept to put in. But I was like, you just set us up in this entire journey. And then at the end, you're like, oh, but it would be really cool if we did this thing here. And like, that's what we got as their ending. And I don't know, I didn't actually really like it at all. <laughs> and couldn't, they, couldn't they have done both? Like, couldn't she have been the queen of Korea? And then they escape on these little yeah. adventures? Like, why Absolutely. can't they do both? And the fact yeah, that and Luna I, was set up to like connect with her, the dad so much and have this like found family, the doppelganger. And so I was like, you know, I mean, I love my parents too. So don't get me wrong. It's, but I mean, I was just like, she could go back and like secretly see her dad from time to time. I mean, I guess they did kind of say the more you time travel, though. Although they got away with that too, like the more you time travel, the more time stops until eventually everything. No, that was only when they that was only when they only had half of the flute. Yeah, and only okay. when the flute was broken. Okay, I so I actually felt like episode fourteen and fifteen was where the plot got away from them. That was where I was like when he got stuck in time. No, it, well, where things they started to go back and forth so much on time, and then and then there was like the boy with with the yo-yo and then there was like leah looked up the boy with the yo-yo so we'll talk about we will yeah. <laughs> but i i felt like those two episodes was where just things started to get away from them and yeah, yeah i'll probably talk about it more and do our deep dive but that's where i started to go ah crap this isn't gonna this isn't gonna pan out no. and then we got to episode 16 and i did like i said i actually did love when he was like traveling through different worlds but i also felt like you never let us know that there were all these worlds like we thought there were only two and then all of a sudden you're 
all of a sudden you're giving us like 50 million new worlds like when, when did that happen or whatever you know yeah. what i mean so i feel like they that's... just had good ideas at the end like oh well, let's do this and this and this and we're gonna put it all at the end but yeah. like they didn't really set it up properly no. yeah so i agree with you on king i mean it was still so freaking good and i i mean i've waxed on and on about Wu do huan in this show so once he's discharged from the military i expect him to be booked and busy because he crushed it I mean, in a way where, to me, he was the breakout star of the show. I'm sure we'll have, like, a yeah. whole segment about him. <laughs> but I think if you're going back to, like, just to sum up, Amy, your thoughts, don't give me Lee Min Ho on a freaking white horse riding through the street saying, save her, your future queen. And then not make and her then not And then not make her that. queen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean... Him slashing at baddies. That was, was like the was... best part of the whole drama. Oh and then my like, god! Hey. I'll remind everybody listening: one hour and eight minutes into episode eleven, it's that's <laughs> that's the best scene of any drama I've seen so it's far. So good. It's shot so beautifully, and because he's on a white horse, and all the bad guys are dressed in black, so he's like this like avenging figure, like like just cinematography wise, it's just stellar and, and i mean it's so over the top and oh, frankly is. ridiculous but he oh, commits oh. so hard that you're just all in because like there's oh, no I, part of him I that's not all, committing yeah. to it he just 100 percent is like i am on maximus the horse <laughs> and i'm saving the queen and that's why i'm right. just so pissed like at the end just she should be the like ah i hate it i know <laughs> i know well, there you have it, folks. There's our three endings that we wish we could rewrite. And I actually went and rewrote for you. <laughs> so if you want to imagine a different ending to the king, now you can. And just don't kill the baby in Don't kill in a baby and make it seem like... Like the mom's at fault. The mom's for... at fault and then never gets to have, you know, the child that she apparently, like, eventually, like, had her an arc to want. She doesn't right. get to have. Look, never kill and the then, dog and never kill a baby. Okay. Yeah. Don't kill the dog. Don't kill the baby. And like fight for my way. Don't have a stupid breakup. Yeah. yeah. Don't have and a breakup for no reason. Don't your partner after you've been not with them for two years. <laughs> um, oh, and, so many and things. I, when this episode is out, we'll have on our Instagram a post where we want to hear dramas that have endings that you want to rewrite. So please go over and talk to us because we want to know yeah. and see if you also agree with us about the ones we talked about. So we'll have a post over there at Afterduna Delight podcast on Instagram. So come talk to us. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!